Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Um, I wanted to start off and ask a question. I'm wondering how many of you in this room, and I need you to be honest, how many of you in this room love routine? Okay, all right. Good handful of us. The rest of us are lazy and we don't care about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Of course not. But those of us who like routine and you have a routine every single day and every single week, you know, when you think about it, a lot of it is because we want predictability. We want stability. We want to be able to kind of bring our life under control. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Uh, those of us who are not like that are like, why? Why? Life is so spontaneous. You don't know what's going to happen in life. And those of us who are a little bit more spontaneous with no schedule, let me just say this to you. There are times when having a schedule and having a routine is very helpful. It's kind of called finals. It's kind of called busyness and projects at work, but it's helpful. Now, it's also helpful when you are used to doing something, and then all of a sudden you stop. It draws the attention of other people. For example, uh, there was a story about a Domino's employees where they were getting ready to make a pizza for this person who would order pizza every single night, right around midnight. Can you imagine what this person was doing? But every single night, almost every other night, they said that this person will order pizza. And one day, the order stopped. And that's when they actually sent the police over to find out what was going on. So I'm going to show you this video that kind of explains what happened. And it was because of a routine and just simply checking in that they were able to find out what was happening to this person. So let's watch it together. I think he probably went went into the hospital because of all the pizza he ate every single day. Can you imagine? (laughs) I love pizza, but every single day... But what I want you to think about is this. This person did the same routine over and over for who knows how long, enough that the employees of Domino's Pizza knew that something might be wrong because he hasn't ordered for 11 days. And as I was thinking about this, I realized because of this pandemic, a lot of our routine has been completely thrown out. Some of you enjoyed online and just having service there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. In fact, we're trying to do more things that are going to be through video and broadcasted to different places. But the thing is that how many of you, don't, don't raise your hand because you don't want to look really guilty right now. But how many of you, that first time that you had to come out after enjoying Sundays in your pajamas and watching it in your bed, how many of you, it was a struggle to come back? Okay, don't raise your hand. But you know, you know who you are. Same with work. It was enjoyable to work from home. Well, you didn't really have to change. Well, some people, you had to put on makeup and other things. But anyway, like you didn't really have to change. You could just kind of have half of your body, you know, fully clothed. Other half, you do whatever you want. You do you. And then all of a sudden, you have to go back to work. The routine. And you know how hard that is. And as I was thinking about this, I realized for many of us, it's the same way when it comes to so many other aspects of our lives. I think some of us, during this pandemic, we have built up some bad habits. 
or maybe some old habits that we've overcome in the past, but now we are adopting these habits again because of the pandemic that we were in. For some of us, we've lost a lot of motivation to do things. And we don't even know why we're doing what we're doing now. Because there are times when you just go through life and you don't think through it now as you're home and there's nothing much to do except for watch Netflix and other things that you're wondering, what am I doing with my life? And your motivation is very low. For some of us, we might have struggled in our spiritual lives because we felt isolated. Maybe some of us were not really excited or inspired to read the word or to spend time with God. I would even go as far as to say this. Some of you are realizing now that your whole spiritual life has been dependent upon meetings, going to places, seeing people. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but some of us, that's our whole Christian life. And so once those things were not available to us, even though we as a church are trying to provide opportunities for you to still connect through Zoom, many of us decided that we slowly started phasing out of some of these things because we didn't have to go. We didn't have to be there. And so we have to confess that maybe even our spiritual lives are not doing well. This is why we got to check in and make sure that we're on track, that we're doing okay in different areas of our lives, relationally and spiritually. Those of you who are on Facebook, you know back in 2011 when the Japanese uh, earthquake happened and the tsunami occurred, Uh, Some engineers from Facebook, what they did was they actually came up with this um, program where part of it is where you're just checking in to tell everyone that you're safe. And since then, with so many other terrorist and violent attacks that have happened and other natural disasters, this app in Facebook has been very, very helpful because people start worrying, like, how is my friend or how is my family member where that city is where all the craziness is happening, and then you're able to just say, I'm checking in, and I'm okay, and I'm safe. That's why we decided to start this series, because a lot of us who have been away because of the pandemic, and slowly I'm praying that it will open up more and more, but then through this, we need to check in to see how we're doing spiritually. We need to check in to see how we're doing relationally. If some of us are in need or there are different things going on in our lives, we need to be able to work through those things together as a spiritual family so that we may be able to live out and do the things that God has called us to do. As some of you are already understanding that we're entering into a whole new season of ministry. We're closing out one and we're entering into a new one. In fact, it's going to be the start of our seventh year in back in, in September. So for the last five and a half, almost six years, God has been faithfully leading us all this time. And so we want to make sure before we embark on the new season and the new direction that God might have for us, that we want to be able to check in and say, God, my relationship with you is primary. It's the most important thing. It's a priority for me. My relationship with people around me, the people that you've called me to minister unto, those are important to me. The things that you've called me to do, As part of my calling, it's important to me, and I want to do that for your glory and for your namesake. That's why we're doing this four-part series. Today, I'm going to talk about check-in with God. Next week, I'm going to talk about check-in with accountability. The week after that, we're going to talk about check-in with discipleship. And then lastly, we're going to close out and check-in with your calling. 
What is it that God is calling us to do? So today, as we talk about checking in with God, we're going to look at Psalm 107. So let me give us the one thing, because in the midst of everything that is going on, we have to remember that God is enduringly persistent because his love for us is consistent. God has been persistently trying to get to us, speak to us in the midst of everything that's going on. It's because of his consistency and his love for us. And the more we understand that, the more we have a heart check where we are spiritually. And we're going to ask God to help us, not because we're trying harder, but we're asking him to help us to grow in our relationship with him because he is the one who is pursuing after us. He's persistently showing you how much he loves you and what he desires to do in your life because he, he never changes. We do. But he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what we wanted to do, and uh, I know those of us, when we were doing online, we had huddle group time. And uh, from the sounds of it, it was very helpful. And because we only have about 30-some percent of people here, uh, we really feel like it will be a good opportunity for those who are even watching online that they can participate and so those of you who are new, this might be kind of awkward for you because you're like, I'm new, I don't know you. And then these questions are a little bit too personal. You don't have to go that deep if you don't feel comfortable. But for the rest of us, if you know the people that you're sitting next to, uh, we want to give you about six minutes to talk about these questions. And here's the purpose. It is to help us to then get in the right frame of mind to talk about what we're going to be talking about. These questions are primers for us. Secondly, is that we're going to have another huddle group uh, later on in my sermon, and it's an pro- opportunity to process what is being shared thus far. And so that's where it will stick more. The biblical principles will stick more for you. So we're going to have these two breakout sessions, about six minutes each. And then those of you who are watching online, you can do it with your life group in your Zoom, some of those people who uh, are not able to make it here. And to those of you, all I can say is you guys have fast fingers. I don't know. You guys, you guys are on point. You guys have set many alarms. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, like, who's going to really sign up? And then that, that's when I heard in the first, like, three-some minutes about 60 people signed up really quickly. So that's all of you. And I was thinking, this is like tickets. We need to get you guys to purchase tickets, you know, uh, the singles day, one, 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 you know, uh, get those deals. You guys are the group of people. So anyway, those of you who are here, why don't you turn to a couple people around you or just the person next to you and then share these questions. The first question is simply this. What has been the hardest thing for you throughout this whole pandemic and the government regulation on social distancing? Just share a little bit of what's been kind of hard for you. The second question is simply this. Have you seen a greater spiritual hunger throughout this pandemic or has it been spiritually hard? And maybe you could just kind of explain. So once again, the more vulnerable, honest you are, I believe that there's going to be more opportunities to minister to one another. So go ahead. I'm going to give you six minutes, and then we'll bring you back together. I was just thinking about this. I'm wondering if this is what happened in your Zoom like several months back. But I don't know because you know how it is in Zoom. Everyone just looks at each other on the screen. But it's something about being in person that makes it more lively. So I'm so encouraged you guys are all sharing and talking. So turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you today. (laughs) Amen. So we're going to jump into this passage. I'm going to highlight two things here as we're talking about how God's love is very persistent. 
and also is very consistent in our lives to draw us back into that deeper relationship that he wants with us as we're checking in and making sure that our relationship with God is going well. I want to first talk about God persists in his providence, that God persists in his providence. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit about that word. It's a theological word, but you see this happening every single day of your life. And you need to understand it. And the more you understand it, the more you can trust, the more there will be peace in your life. The word providence comes from the word provide. And it's broken up in the Latin word of these, the simple word of provide into pro, that's a prefix, which means forward or on behalf of. The other Latin word is a vd, which means to see. So if you put this together, you'll see the word provide has this connotation of seeing something with a purpose. This is the reason why it means to simply, when you hear the word provide, it's to supply what is needed to give sustenance or support. So you see something and then you then provide whatever it is so that they can have their needs met. Now, this phrase, the providence of God, means this act of God seeing and providing or sustaining and governing the universe. The God of the universe is watching over all of his creation, everything that he has made. He's sustaining it, he's governing it, he's seeing it, and he's providing for it in his mercy and in his grace. Now, Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, defines God's providence in this way so that it will help us to understand as we're talking about providence. He says this, God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, one, keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them, two, cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. And three, directs them to fulfill his purposes. So it's this idea of God leading and guiding and also providing the things that we need so that we can fulfill his purposes in our lifetime. Now, when you think about your life, you realize, okay, so what does that mean for me? That means that everything that we do as we cooperate with God, God is moving in your life. He's bringing circumstances, certain people, certain things, experiences, so that you can move towards the things that he has for you. It doesn't mean he's going to force you. He will bring things your way so that you have a choice to make a decision. And even if your choice is a bad choice, you're taking a detour, he will bring other things into your life so that you can get to the place where he wants you to be. I don't know about you, but when you know this kind of God who is providential, who loves you and is consistent towards you, you can look at everything that happens in your life with this great sense of peace and trust. God, I don't know everything. I don't know why this happened to me this past year. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through right now, but I'm going to trust and believe that you know that in your providence, you're going to carry out the good work in me and the purposes that you have for me in your grace and your mercy. This is why throughout the Bible we see references to God fulfilling his promise as he works out his plan in us and around the world. Now, this does not mean that God caused evil. 
Because human beings in our free choice and will, we choose. And therefore, we choose evil in our sinfulness. But even when someone sins against you, that God can use all those things for something that's greater. That's why when you hear stories of people being raped or people being hurt in different ways, that God can use that. God didn't cause it, but he's using those things of human will, what they chose to do, which is evil, that he's using it for something that's greater. And you see this in your life all the time. How many of us look back now two years ago or three years ago and we see everything that has happened and now we look back. Back then it was difficult, but we look back now and we realize, I'm so thankful for that experience. I'm glad I went through it. Some things were very painful and I did not like it. I still don't like it. But God has been gracious to me. That God has helped me in this process. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10 through 11 in the NIV says this, I, will, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, and this is God speaking, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird, a prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring, that will I bring about what I have planned, that will I do. Now think about it this way. Even when you think about the pandemic, when you think about some of the situations, some of you who might have lost a job, some of you are struggling at school, whatever you may be going through, it might be a relational issue. God is using all these things to get your attention so that his will, not only in the universe, but in your life can be fulfilled. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 you know this passage in the NIV, it says this, that in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything into the conformity of the purpose of his will. That he is doing everything to the conformity and the purpose of his will. That's why you did not come here to Hong Kong by your own, let's say, your own desire. I want to come to Hong Kong. God brought you here. That's why he, you didn't get into the other school. That's why you came to Hong Kong. That's why the other school that's better in ranking didn't give you a scholarship. That's why you came here because they gave you a full scholarship. That's the providence of God. You could have joined another society and been completely lost, but you saw people with these bright shirts sitting down and talking to you like, who are these guys? That's the providence of God. Some of you who did not get this one job got this other job. That's the providence of God. There's so many other churches here in Hong Kong, but somehow he connected you to our community. That is the providence of God, that he is providing for what you need to fulfill and accomplish his will, his plan, not only in your life, but in this world. That gives me a complete sense of peace, trust and belief that even though what I'm going through is difficult, God, who is knowing of all things, is leading me and guiding me. When you understand the providence of God, there should be this tremendous, overwhelming sense of peace and joy that God's got your back, that he's leading you. I was thinking about my own life and the providence of God and how he led me to all of these different things. If I didn't go to that university, I would not have met my wife. 
if I did, my, did not meet my wife, I'm like, what would have happened? I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Which is true. But because she also went to the same church that I went to. And that church started my senior year. That was the year that it started. I found out about it this summer at the end of my junior year. And then my fourth year, I've, that's when we started the church. Who knew that God was going to call me to plant a church at that moment? I had no idea. But I was on the ground. I was looking for facilities. Those of you who are looking for facilities, a lot of compassion. Because I was there. I led the worship. I was doing small group. I was doing, I mean, everything God was preparing, I had no idea. His providence. My wife was also part of the executive team. Because she didn't know that she was going to marry me. And be a pastor's wife. But then when we came together, I had everything that I learned from that church, everything she learned from that church, all the things of finance and different things. I was doing like worship. So we had all the combination of starting a church. Who knew? We moved over to Ann Arbor, Michigan, a place that I hated so much because I went to the University of Illinois and they kicked our butt in every single sporting event. But thank God, one of our children, they graduated from there. And we'll see what the other one will do. But anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole different issue. Whole different sermon. Trusting in God. Releasing your child. Anyway. Um, so we went to Michigan. We started a church. Who knew from that moment that God wanted to go have us go international and come to Hong Kong? We had no idea. We ended up going to Jakarta, and who knew that Indonesia was going to be the place? Because 15 years later, we're going to be ministering to a lot of Indonesians. <laughs> and who knows, for such a time as this, in the medical field, that there might need some translators into Bahasa. That's the providence of God. And through a series of events of God bringing Chinese people, mainland Chinese people, Hong Kong people, to HMCC of Ann Arbor while our family was there, we said, God, what is it that you're trying to do? What he was trying to do was get us out here. But who knew? That's the providence of God. That he is providing, he is watching overseeing he is governing he is wanting us to be where he wants us to be that's why you will have tremendous peace when a door is closed because god's going to open another one that's why you have tremendous peace when a when a door is open but then you feel in your spirit maybe this is not what god wants you to do so you put a check on it and then you realize he had another door open that's exactly what happened to our first international church we were actually going to go to malaysia we didn't <laughs> I was going to go because of the food. You know, I'm like, send me, Lord. There is nothing like Malaysian food. I'm sorry. Indonesian is close. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to talk about unity and love for one another. So don't miss that one. <laughs> but you know how it is. Korean food is still the best. Anyway. <laughs> Local Hong Kong food is good too, but you're going to put a lot of uh, spices and flavors and other stuff. 
we were actually going to go to Malaysia. My wife and I, we actually had a conference there. We were there, and then somehow God directed us to, uh, after that conference, we had some people we knew who were in Indonesia. We said, it's so close, let's just stop by. And we stopped by, and that's when I felt in my spirit that we weren't supposed to start it in Malaysia, but it was supposed to be Indonesia. That's the providence of God. And hence, we have a church in Indonesia. I'm sharing all these stories to help you to understand that your life, it is significant. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. That nothing that happens in your life is by chance, coincidence. God is doing things so that you can love him, worship him, obey him, serve him. That's why sometimes painful things are not necessarily bad things. It hurts, but that's sometimes God's discipline. God doing things in our lives so that we can love him. That's why I love what J.I. Packer said in his book, Concise Theology. He writes this, the doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are never in the grip of blind forces, fortune, chance, luck, faith. That's why I don't say good luck. We don't believe in luck. We believe in the providence of God. All that happens to them is divinely planned, and each event comes as a new summons to trust, obey, and rejoice, knowing that all is for one's spiritual and eternal good. Everything that you've gone through even this year is for your good and for God's glory. I know right now some of us who have gone through some extreme difficulties and painful things, it's hard for you to say that right now. But I'm going to believe by faith that as you begin to grow and love God more and understand a little bit more of his heart, you can look back at some of these painful experiences right now and look back at it into the future. And then as you look back, you realize it was for my good. It was for his glory. That's why that relationship went sour. That's the reason why you didn't get into that program. That's why you didn't get that job. That's why you couldn't move into that place. God knows what he's doing. Because he loves you persistently and consistently more than you will ever know. Many of us just haven't experienced the fullness of his love. That's why we're doubting. That's why we're questioning. That's why we're wondering. God, are you really for me? God, do you really love me? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Maybe he's trying to purify you. Maybe he's trying to bring you to the point where you will say yes to him. Because right now, you're not going to say yes to him. You don't want him. You don't want his will. So he's disciplining you. He's leading you, guiding you to the place where he wants you to be. Now, why is all this important? I spent the last 10 minutes talking about this. Why is this all this important? Because when you look at Psalm 107, you will see some of the things that the psalmist mentions is part of the providence of God. It is so important that you understand this theological concept of the providence of God. Let me go ahead and start off, and let's read verse 1 and 3. And as we read this portion, I, I want you to notice something. As the psalmist is declaring some of the things that God has clearly wanting them to do. So Verse 1 and 3, it says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands and from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Now, let's just pause here. Let, let me just help us to see that what 
the psalmist is first establishing as you and I, as the redeemed. Or if you want to look at it, that word redeemed means delivered or repurchased. That God is doing something. He says rejoice and to be able to understand this steadfast love of God. And you'll see that theme over and over again. Now, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, this is our story. To those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is our story. Why? Because we were God's possession. But because of sin, we were lost. So that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that he could repurchase us. His own, his possession, to repurchase us so that we will be delivered or redeemed. And this is why we are called to live a life of gratitude and to give praise to God because he is good. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen? When we think about the cross, when we think about the gospel, because he is good, that we rejoice and we celebrate that. And it is in this persistent and consistent love, which is now the foundation of what the psalmist is trying to say next in the 29 verses, from verse 4 all the way to verse 32. Now, I want you to catch this pattern. Now, I'm going to lay it out for us, the pattern, but I want you to see it as we read some of these portions of Scripture. So there's going to be patterns that are specifically in these three areas. The first area is the predicament. The second one is the prayers. And the third is the praise. I want you to think about it this way as we read these portions of Scripture. It's about the predicament, the situation. Then it's about the prayers. And then it's about the praise. And you'll see this over and over again. So let me go ahead and first talk about the predicament. And we'll lay it out for you as we look into this portion of Scripture. There are four that you see that the psalmist mentioned. The first one is this wandering. That's the predicament of those people who have drifted away. They're wandering. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 4 and 5. Listen to what it says. Some wandered in desert ways, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. What do we see here? It is very clear that some people have strayed away. And they were hungry and thirsty. And it says here, even their soul fainted. And I was thinking about this and I said, you know what? This describes us so well. Especially when you're not doing well spiritually. You're just kind of drifting. You're wandering away. And then what happens is that you get hungry. Not, not just physically. We're talking about spiritually. You get hungry and you get thirsty. And what do you do? You try to fill that hunger and try to fill that thirst with all the things of this world. If you've ever played sports and you're thirsty and you drink sugar drinks, I'm telling you, you're going to get what? Come on. More thirsty. This is the reason why some of you, your desire and your appetite for God has decreased because instead of filling that hunger and thirst with God, you're filling it with so many things of this world. That's why there's no motivation. That's why there's no inspiration to read the word, to pray, to be in fellowship with one another. So you see this. It's describing our hearts of those who have wandered away. Another thing that you will notice in terms of the predicament, it goes into the next section. It's this captivity. I'm going to read verse 10 
through 12. I'm going to skip over some of these verses and read it again uh, later, but I want you to see the predicament first. Look at verse 10. It says, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they have rebelled against the words of the Lord and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. So what are we seeing here? They were prisoners in, in some sense because of their disobedience. Look at verse 11 again. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. I'm just wondering how many of us are like prisoners to sin because we refuse to obey God's word. How many of us are in situations right now because of sin, because we, didn't, we rejected God's word, we rejected God's counsel. You had older brothers and sisters, mentors, disciples, disciplers in your life trying to help you to understand the heart of God, not control your life, not manipulate your life. They're trying to be consistent with the word and they're sharing with you because they love you. They want you to live the fullness and the best life that God has for you. And you just reject it because I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do what I want to do. We always seem wiser in our own eyes than we really are. So what happens? You're a prisoner of sin. And this is some other predicament that we see here that's happening to the people. What else do we see? We see now not only, as I mentioned, the captivity and the wandering, but we see the third thing is the sickness. Look at verse 17 and 18. It's interesting that he mentions this. It says, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their inequity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of hell. Pretty much they almost experienced death. Now, please, I want to make sure that I'm very clear on this. Whenever someone's sick, they're like, oh, you, you, there's a sin in your life. Sometimes you just touch something, and, you touch, and you're sick. Are you with me? It's not because you sin and you're a bad person. And I think this is where a lot of the theology is mixed up. And that's why there's fear in Christianity when there should not be fear. Because what? Because of Jesus Christ, there's no more condemnation. There should be no fear. Can I get an amen to that? We should not operate under fear. But in Asia, we always operate under fear. Fear of punishment. Fear of what people are going to think about us. And that's what motivates us to do things for God. And that's wrong. Fear, it should be more of this reverence and devotion and love because of what Christ has done. Not because we're going to get in trouble. Not because we're going to get punished. But we see here that even sickness is being used to speak to the people. This is the providence of God. Now, some of you who know me, I don't get sick very often. But man, when I do, I'm like out. And I can remember just, uh, just several times, maybe two times in my whole life, that I was so sick that I couldn't even get out of bed for several days. And I remember every single time when I was in those situations, I was just sitting there, I felt so helpless and so useless. It was frustrating for an A-type personality like me. I'm like, we're going to do something, we're going to do something, you know. And I'm just there, I can't do anything. I mean, it was sad, even when a long time ago, when I was sick, my daughter came in, and she must have been like eight or seven or eight, and she goes, Daddy, why can I help you, you know? I'm like, no, not my daughter. You know, I'm like, I will do this myself. You know, so proud. Don't need help from anybody. I don't want to show my weakness. But it was in those times when God providentially used my sickness to reveal things in my heart. 
my self-sufficiency, my dependence on myself, my pride. So I'm wondering that sometimes even in our sickness where we cannot get out of bed or do anything and we're missing out on all this stuff, what, what is it that God is trying to speak to us about? And then lastly, the fourth predicament is danger. Look at verse 23 through 27. It says this, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. This illusion, or excuse me, this illustration to the storm in the sea. It's interesting here that in verse 25, it refers to God being in control of the winds and the waves. It's just talking about the providence of God, that God who's governing all things in this world, he's even using the winds and the waves to get our attention. Once again, God's providence, God in his providence can even use things to accomplish his purposes in us. Danger, sickness, captivity and even the wandering now let's turn the corner so we see this situation it doesn't look that good but then i want you to see the pattern the second thing is the prayers i'm going to ask you to look at verse 6 and 7 13 and 14 verse 19 and 20 and verse 28 through 30 listen to what it says verse 6 through 7 it says this then he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let me, let me bump up and go to verse 6. Um, I miss reading verse 6. It says this. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And that's when he led them straight away till they reached and dwelt in a city to dwell in. Let's continue on and look at some of these other verses that you'll see here. Verse 13 through 14. Listen to what it says. It says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Look at verse 19 through 20. Jump down to 19 and 20. It says this, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And lastly, in verse 28 through 30, listen to what it says. It says, And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Why is this important? Because in their predicament, what did they do? It says here they cried out to the Lord. You see that four times in the four predicaments. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and it says, and God delivered them. I'm just wondering if some of the difficult things that we're facing in our lives right now is that God wants you to cry out to him, that he's actually drawing you back into this deeper relationship with him. Prayer is a way for us to get reconnected with God. Some of you haven't prayed for some time. 
I'm wondering if God is bringing things so that you can get back into that intimate relationship with him. It starts with prayer. It starts with the word of God. It starts with just quiet meditation, just being in his presence. It could even be listening to worship songs and being reminded of all that he has done in your life. And then what do we see in closing? We see the praise. I'm going to read verse 8 and 9. Verse 15 through 16, verse 21 through 22, and then verse 31 through 32. Listen to what it says in verse 8 and 9. It says this, as I read part of it already. Uh, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So once again, as we cry out to God, he delivers us. And then from there that we give praise and thanksgiving to God. Verse 15 through 16, listen to what it says. It says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the door of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. So here's God working powerfully. Verse 21 through 22, it says this, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. And lastly, in verse 31 through 32, it says this, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. What do we see here? Once again, As we see the predicament, they begin to pray and cry out to God. God delivers them, and then now they lift up praises to him to give thanks unto the Lord. As I was thinking about the story of predicament, the prayers, and the praise, I was just thinking about so many stories in the Bible, and one that sticks out the most is Job. Many of you know the story of Job, where he lost everything. And it was Satan who said, well, God, he loves you because you're blessing him. And God, in his sovereignty and knowledge, he allowed things to happen. And through that experience, he lost so much. Lost his family. He lost everything that he had. And he was still trying to keep his integrity. All his friends were saying all this stuff to him. His wife was saying, curse God and die. But he kept on holding on to his integrity because his love for God. But somewhere along the line, he began to say, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? Yeah, like I, I love God and he's bringing all this upon me. And then God speaks to him. And he says, who do you think you are? Like you're just a mere mortal. You're a man. I'm God of the universe. I created all things. Do you even know when that calf is born? I know all things. And he's giving a whole litany, a list of things that he is God Almighty. And then the most important verse or verses, I believe, is verse chapter 42, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read it for you. Listen to what he says in the NIV. This is Job who replies to the Lord and says this. I know that you can do all things. Come on, read the yellow section with me. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard 
of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I like the message translation. Listen to what it says. I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Read the yellow with me. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You ask, who is this? Mudding the waters, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purpose. I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders away over my head. You told me, listen, and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions. You give the answers. I admit, I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it first, all firsthand. From now, from my own eyes and ears. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I never, I'll never do that again. I promise. I'll never again live on crusty or crust of hearsay, crumbs of rumors. Do you see the most important part of this is repentance. He says, I admit. I'm sorry. I'm wondering if we're going to get to this next level in our walk with God and check in and reconnect with Him. That many of us in this room, what we need more than anything else is a heart of repentance. That we have wandered away. That we have been in prison because of sin. That we have been in different situations and it was our own doing because of our rebellion and our disobedience to God. But God, you're persistent and consistent in your love for me. How about us this morning? Do you see the providence of God in your life? Especially when things are, are not going the way you want to see it right now. It's God working, speaking to you. I'm wondering if some of us in this room, we have lost our intimacy with God. I don't know, maybe due to busyness, apathy. It could even be filling our hearts with so many things of this world. Are you still able to praise Him because of His steadfast love? I'm going to ask us really quick. I'm looking at the time, and the time is running out. Um, if you allow me, I'm just going to quickly mention the second point, and you can read it later. And then I'm going to give you like maybe four minutes just to share with one another. And then we're going to do something that's a little bit different, and I'm not going to give you some next steps, but there's just one thing that I want you to do. And so... Let me just close out with the second point, and then I'm going to have you guys just break up into the same group and talk about this one question. The second thing I want to quickly mention here, and this is a shorter point, much shorter, is that God not only persists in His providence, but I want you to see that He persists in His power. Verse 33 to 43, I'm not going to read it, but you can read it later. What you notice is that in these closing verses, it is clear that the psalmist is now redirecting the people's attention to the power of God. That he is able to even overcome nature. Who can do this? No man, no woman, no child. It is God and God alone. And so God is turning deserts and in turn to these areas of spring waters. Only God can do that. It talks about becoming fruitful. I want to particularly make you look at verse 38. Can you look at that really quick? Verse 38. 
do you see that one phrase that I want to highlight for you? It says this, by his blessing, they multiply greatly. Man, God spoke to me about that past or that phrase. Sometimes we forget that it's God. Through his power is the one who will bring the results and the fruitfulness. You know, because for myself, because I have certain things I could do well. It is so easy to think that I'm the one who's bringing these fruits. I'm the one who's bringing these results. The flip side of that is this. If you don't see fruits, if you don't see results, you get harder on yourself. You try harder. You try to do more stuff. But what we forget is that it's the power of God. Can I get a good amen to that? Just look at your situation. Look at your campus. Look at your life group. Look at your life stage. Look at the people around you, even your parents who might not know Christ. Look at some of your siblings and some of your loved ones that don't know Christ. We think, oh, if I could just be a good witness, they're going to come to know Christ. No, they're not. You could be the best witness in the whole wide world, and they will never come to Christ apart from God's power. Some of you are trying to do all these things on your own strength. And that's why it keeps on failing. That's why there's no fruit. There's no results that you want to see. And then what do we do? We get angry at God. We get angry and we think, oh, what a waste. I wasted all this time serving and doing all this stuff. No, because you make it all about you. And it's not about you. It's about God's power, His providence, because maybe He's trying to break you because everything in your life, you've gotten 4.0, you've gotten the jobs that you wanted, you've succeeded in sports and music, you've done everything well. And so you think to yourself, I don't need God. You won't say it, but you live like that. And here you are, you're responsible for something, and it's failing miserably at work. It might be at school. It might be in church context. Whatever it is, you are failing miserably. And God, in his providence, is trying to help you to see, apart from me, you can do nothing. So that, that's why when you don't see the fruits, that's why when you don't see the results, the KPIs, all these things in your life, God is trying to whisper to you, you need me. You can't do this by yourself. Have you experienced his power? Do you know his power? Do you know what he can do? That's why this balance of God's sovereignty and human responsibility is something that should always be together. And this is how I like to phrase it. Think about it this way. You and I should work as hard as we can. Can I get a good amen to that? Work as hard as you can. But then trust God for the results. Human responsibility, God's sovereignty. Work as hard as you can and the best that you can. Do things with excellence. That's human responsibility. But trust in God for the results. Let him bring the fruits. Let him work in your family. Let him work at your workplace. Let him work in your dorm room, in your classroom. Let him work in your life as you're struggling through some of these things in your life. That's why in verse 43, in closing, it says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The word consider means to perceive, to observe, to understand. Watch. See what God's doing so that you can understand. Other translations of that verse 43 says this, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Just take some time to reflect and see God's faithfulness throughout your whole history of your life, your short life, our short lives. 
That's why when you see some of these people who are 80 years old and 90 years old, they've been walking with the Lord for about like 70 years. You look at their life, you're like, oh my God, they're like radiant. They're like shining. Why? Because when they look back, they realize that God has been the faithful one. The message translation says, if you really are, if you are really wise, you'll think this over. It's time you appreciated God's deep love. Take some time to pause, reflect on his love and who he is and what he's doing in your life. So once again, God is enduring persistently because his love for us is consistent. I know I said I'm going to give you another huddle group time, but I lied. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Sorry. How about this? You'll have a huddle group time after we say amen and everything's done. You huddle together and you can share. The question, in fact, I wanted to, for you guys to even talk about and think about was how have you seen God's providence working in your life even within this past year? What has it been doing? The way I want to close out is uh, we're so thankful for our different ministry teams. And one of our ministry teams, uh, the creative team and just the documentation team, those uh, the video team, uh, multimedia team, all these guys who take the pictures, who do all this stuff, they, they put uh, a, the end of the year video of just all the things that God did with this theme of shine. We're going to finish off at the end of the summer. And then we're going to start a whole new season in September with a new theme, something else that God is calling us to do. And we want to show you this video, and it's just a testimony of the faithfulness of God, the providence of God leading us, guiding us as a church, even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of all the pivoting and changing that we had to go through, that God still worked. I was so blessed to even see all the baptisms. Even when I was sharing with other people, they're like, wow, even in this pandemic, I'm like, yeah, some of them had to be delayed, but we, got, we baptized them. We saw growth in our life groups. We saw some of you going deeper with the Lord. Some of you stepping up and making commitments. Some of you being more generous than ever before. All these things. And I was thinking, God, how is this possible? Once again, it is the power and the providence of God. Should that not cause us to want to check in and say, God, I want to I keep on growing. I want to keep on loving you. So we're going close to close out this time with this video. Afterwards, we're going to have you respond with just one thing. And then we'll close off from there. So let's watch it together. Just with every eyes closed, if you could just bow your heads for a moment. I'm wondering if there's anybody here, for whatever reason, maybe it's something you're going through right now that seems just too overwhelming for you. As the Bible tells us, no temptation or trial that we go through. God's going to forget about us and leave us there. Nothing has seized us that is beyond God's knowledge. But when we are tempted, when we are struggling, that he will always provide a way out. I, I want to give you an opportunity to receive God's persistent, enduringly persistent, and his consistent love right now so that you may be filled and leave this place with more hope more encouragement, more faith, more trust to believe that God is for you and not against you. So with every head bow, I'm going to ask us, if you're just feeling like, God, I need to know more of this love, the steadfast of the Lord never ceasing, 
I want to know more of that love. Help me to know how persistent and consistent it is. Can I ask you to just lift up your hands right now? Right now. Thank you all over this room. Amen. Just keep it up for a moment. I'm just going to ask, Lord Jesus, with every single hand raised, I pray for your blessings upon them, that your strength, help them to see your providence, that you're watching over them, you're leading them, guiding them. You make no mistakes. You always have a plan. You always have a purpose. And we can trust and believe that you are good, that you are so good to us that we are thankful that even though we don't fully understand it now, that you're going to take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, because that's who you are. You are our good God. We love you. We worship you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.